0: Well, now that I've rested up, Sean, from uh, you know the beaches and everything like that, really ready to get back into this. Uh, Stormcast back in action following the 2019 Iowa Hawkeye football season. David Eichel, along with Sean Bach and Sean, it's been a pretty eventful last couple of weeks. Uh, the injuries continue to pile up for basketball, but you know the football season ended their season on a on a high note, and it's now. January 12th and we're still awaiting decisions from Tristan Wirfs and AJ Epinesa so a lot of storylines to really kind of get into
1: right yeah and I mean speaking of storylines too another one coming out of that season was Gino Stone which maybe people were talking about to start the year but I think as the season went on, people kind of started realizing well hey I mean he's having he didn't have like a fantastic year but he put up enough a year where you're going to be like okay Maybe he could get drafted in sixth or seventh round. Maybe he could be like – because, I mean, people coming into the season were talking about him having an Imani hooker type year where he just emerged as one of the guys. Granted, he didn't get, he's probably not going to get his drafted as high as Imani did, but I think he'll, he'll find himself on an NFL team somewhere down the line. But, yeah, like you said, David, lots to talk about from the last couple of weeks, obviously, Big Ten basketball, Iowa basketball getting in full swing, Big Ten – as crazy as we expected it this year um
0: insane
1: yeah road teams are what five and 31
0: I think it's it's five and 32 after today because I I don't think the Michigan game was final Michigan State game was final at that point
1: right so yeah five and 32 which is just flat out ridiculous considering the talent that's in this conference and I mean, Ohio State too is ranked like number eleven in the country and they're what one in five or one in four in yeah, big ten play.
0: They've lost four straight and they're I mean they're gonna be out of the top twenty five tomorrow morning, I think for sure. I mean, I think they're they're standalone second to last in the conference right now.
1: Yeah, with Northwestern being being last. Um and yeah, I mean, it's crazy because Ohio State was a number one team in the country at one point. And just to see them drop as far as they have and with all the talent they have too on that roster. It's not like it's not like they're a team that's a fluke. Like Chris Holtman's a great coach. They have a lot of talent up there with the Weston Twins, um, Dwayne Washington, DJ Cart and CJ Walker and those guys, and it's they're a really good team. And just to see them drop as far as they have, just because the big ten conference is so brutal this year, it's it's flat out it's just flat out ridiculous.
0: Yeah, I think I think the main reason for Ohio State kind of dropping off. And I think that, like you said, there's a lot of talent. I think there's a lot of point guard talent, c j Walker, DJ. Carton, but I think it's just inconsistent play on that end uh, fr- from the point guard position. and i, I think DJ Carton's a future star in the in the big ten. I mean, he's got all the athleticism. He's got all the gifts and the skill set to really, I think, be a a huge big time player next year. But I think inconsistency from there, Caleb Wesson obviously has continued to expand his game. but I think there's a lot of young pieces that are still trying to adapt to big 10 basketball. and They're just not coming along as, as far as, you know, I think a lot of people expected them to.
1: Right. But also you look at Ohio state schedule and all their losses, except for one have come on the road. And I mean, Wisconsin's mm-hmm. a team that's not, not a fluke And West Virginia, beat them on a neutral neutral floor in what was a really competitive game. And I didn't like that matchup anyway for Ohio state going into that one, but They'll get, they'll get a couple home games um, here. I think they have a home against Nebraska on Tuesday, which should be a win. And then they go on the road to a Penn State team that we know is a very, very tough team, um, even though they're, what, two and three in the conference. So they haven't had yeah. haven't had a stellar year thus far. But still, they picked up some good wins. And they're a team that will probably be in the NCAA tournament once once March <laughs> comes around.
0: I found it interesting. Seth Davis from the Athletic, obviously, you know, national college basketball guy, said that there's going to be ten Big Ten teams he thinks are going to make the NCAA tournament, and he said I would not rule out eleven. Which I mean, is that's that's realistic.
1: Absurd. That's realistic, but you got to take Seth Davis is a is an interesting guy. You got to take what he what he says with a grain of salt at all oh, times. He seems
0: hundred percent. He seems
1: yeah. He like I would love to see the Big Ten get that many teams in, and I think too with the SEC being kind of eh, kind of inconsistent, I think it's a possibility. But with what Seth Davis says, I think you got to kind of tone it down a little bit because I I think there could be 10 teams. I think nine Uh, at the minimum. Yeah,
0: Nine is most
1: realistic and then 10.
0: You know what's interesting too, Sean, when you look at the road records for Big Ten teams, there's only three teams in the Big Ten that have a 500 or better road record. Michigan State, two and one. Uh, Wisconsin at three and two and Iowa at two and two everyone else is a losing road record, which I mean granted with the conference schedule, but I mean that, that that's a crazy statistic and and teams three through uh twelve are either three and two uh, at five hundred or two and three in conference right now. so I mean the, the margin for error is incredibly thin.
1: right. and no teams are undefeated in conference, which we didn't ex- which. We didn't expect coming into the year, but I think a lot of people expected Michigan State to find a way to pull one out in West Lafayette today. But Purdue ran him out of the building.
0: Yeah, it's a you know Mackie Arena with I think Matt Painter and those those guys. You can't you can never really count out an easy an easy game against Purdue. They'll always find a way to show up and make life difficult. Uh, speaking of difficult. Let's kind of dive into the, the, the you know the key storylines with Iowa right now. C.J. Frederick, I mean, it, it'll be interesting to kind of monitor that situation, Sean. I feel like he's going to be out for, what, another month? A stress reaction by, by that description, when you look it up online and doing a little bit of research, it's typically a four- to six-week injury. So, Iowa's de- depth just continues to get thinner. I think we're only going to see eight guys, including Riley Till, I actually see – uh, any sort of action, and that just puts more pressure on Joe camp, Luca Garza uh, to really get the job done, 20 a night, game in and game out for each of them, and for Iowa to stay out of foul trouble.
1: Yeah, losing CJ was huge, and we saw it in the Penn State game down the stretch. I mean, Iowa did a fine job offensively against Penn State, but not enough to get the victory, and then obviously against Nebraska too, where they were just awful from beyond the arc, and just scoring the Nebraska. ball was a real problem. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was bad and CJ. I mean, we've talked about it so many times before. Just what he brings to both sides of the ball is something that you can't really match. I mean, we've seen it with Joe Wieskamp. We know what he can do with his length and actually with his rebounding too. I thought it was pretty good the other night. But CJ is a guy that you put on the perimeter, guard the one or two, and he's kind of he's kind of just got a knack for knowing where to be, knowing his spots. Is able to take charges, just knows where to be when his teammates get him on the offensive end too, with just the way he makes shots and the way he moves. I, I've always been impressed with how well he moves off the ball and how he's able to really react to screens and whether to slip or whether to pop out for a three-pointer. I've I've always really enjoyed that about his game. and Just from a depth perspective too, I mean, first, of all, I think you need a guy like that on your team, just one that kind of brings, that does all the intangibles well. I mean, Joe camp's up there too, but We've Mm -hmm. seen him at times this year be kind of lackluster in games, but I think Frederick really seems to bring it every time he's healthy on the court. I mean, that's been, that's been the story with him this year. It's been health Um, against Michigan. I forgot what the injury was. Was it a hamstring against Michigan? It was a
0: quad injury.
1: Quad. That's right. So he wasn't a hundred percent against them too. Ended up playing, did fine, but you kind of noticed out there that he wasn't a hundred percent and then against Penn state, he obviously did not look ready to go. I think he had zero points in the first half, and then they told him he was out for the rest of the game, which, I mean, you're fine with that at that point because you see what, if you're injured and you're not really bringing anything, then what's the point of being you out on the court? Mm-hmm. Um, but CJ, when he's healthy, man, like, he's he's probably one this Iowa team's most important player. Maybe, I mean, I know you got Luke Garza and Joey's camp, but... I think with CJ, just the way how he brings it on both sides of the floor and just how he can really be a guy that just knows his spots and knows where to find others on the floor. That's just, that's just so vital to this team's success. And we saw it, we saw it in those two previous losses.
0: Yeah, you know, I think you put, I think you kind of summed it up well. I think to kind of more, more clarify your point a little bit more, I think, you're right. I think CJ is the X factor. And I think it's because you expect Luca Garza mm-hmm. to do what he does game in and game out. I mean, Luca's been held, I think, the single digit scoring once this year, which was against San Diego State. Uh, he leads the nation in 20.10 rebound games. I mean, Luca's on the short list for national player of the year. I mean, he's a top 10. He's a legitimate candidate. He's probably the MVP in the, in the Big Ten right now. What he's doing is absolutely phenomenal. Um So it just he's going to get done game in and game out. And I think Joe Wieskamp, I think, you know, it kind of reminds me, Sean, it kind of reminds me of A.J. Epinesa in a sense that a little bit slow to start the year, not what people expected. They expected the world. But as the season progressed, they continue to get better and better. Uh, Joe Wieskamp now coming off a career-high 26 points, 11 rebounds, obviously against, uh, I mean, in Iowa's last game, that's his second career double-double. He just looked dominant on both sides, both sides of the ball, just clutch rebounds, hustle, passing, shooting, everything, the works. And he just seemed more in his element. He's comfortable taking those shots, and I don't think he's going to back down from taking, you know, 16 to 20 shots a game, which is exactly what you want. He's got the ultimate green light. And it was kind of interesting to talk to the team after. I mean, Luca and Joe both said, yeah, we feel like the two of us can lead Iowa to – you know, whatever they need him to do, they're going to do. And they said, when we're really feeling good and we're really on our game, we feel like we can compete with anybody in the country. So that no excuse mentality and and I think just the leadership, I think they're both just emerging as those leaders. I think Ryan Creener's been absolutely huge for this team in the past few games, just the energy he brings and the kind of attention he commands in the huddle. I think he's going to be an extremely important player as the year goes along. And I think that people do need to talk about uh, is frame McCaffrey. I think this is frame McCaffrey, one of his best coaching jobs. I know it's only, I mean, what, 16 games in, but to deal with all the adversity that Iowa's gone through with this sort of schedule and for them to be 11-5, and five. and, I mean, in all reality, a couple buckets away from being, you know. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Is he's doing a great job coaching? He's picking his spots to get technicals. Uh, you know the technicals he's gotten in back-to-back games. Sean have really sparked Iowa on runs to kind of get the team juiced up and going. Um, so I think I think Fran McCaffrey has been absolutely phenomenal this season. Obviously, there's you know t- like things here and there you could want to clean up, but yeah, I think I think Fran's really gra- uh, grabbed the attention of the huddle, and I think that Iowa's mental makeup, even from two years ago, I remember when they were four and fourteen. Iowa's mental makeup is so night and day because they get down, but you never really count them out and they don't really count themselves out. There's a ton of effort uh, game in and game out. And when you see a guy like Joe Toussaint have that chase down block after an Iowa turnover and then go down the other end and draw a foul right when Maryland could have closed it to single digits, that was one of the most important plays of the game. So Iowa's just getting it done right now. There'll be ups and downs, but I think Iowa's in a pretty good place.
1: Yeah, I agree with you, and I pointed it out after the Penn State game that there's a stretch coming up this month that you have away at Nebraska, which I thought was a winnable game. Um, Turns out it wasn't. <clears throat> that you include, that's one game. And then home against Maryland, that's a winnable game. On the road against Northwestern, winnable game. Michigan, I think, at home is a winnable game. And then Rutgers, which is a winnable game. And then Wisconsin, too, um, at home. That's going to be a tough one uh, considering Iowa hasn't had much success against the Badgers in recent years outside of Jordan Bohan's freshman year where they went into the Kohl Center and ended up getting the dub. But So Iowa started Big Ten play, what, one and three? You win the next two, three, four, five games, what, you're looking at seven and two now? If you win the and, next four games you're or seven really
0: and three. you're looking at a really solid NCAA shot if you yeah. win the next four games.
1: The next four games, yeah. Cause I was mixing it in with Maryland. But you win the next four games, you're at six and three. And after you start one and three, especially in the big ten, like it's so important that you take that you take care of these home games because mm-hmm. when you go on the road to Maryland, who I know I was smacked the other the other day. That They're a much different team at home. I mean, I think they're beatable, but they're a much different team at home. You go on the road to Purdue, and we saw what they did against Michigan State. You go on the road to Indiana. Indiana's a struggling team, but they looked a lot better on Saturday against Ohio State, and they're obviously beatable. Mm-hmm. Then you go on the road to Minnesota. That's another one. Michigan State, that's going to be a tough place to play. And then on the road, I'm going out of order from the away games that – these away games, too, are games that you could possibly steal. I think I think you look at a matchup like I don't know Maryland, and I know believe it or not, the Maryland didn't shoot that well against Iowa on the road, and they don't they didn't shoot that well when I watched them against Indiana maybe a week ago that's that's a different game, but there's sure. a possibility that that falls that falls suit that falls that ends up being true, and even some of these other games too. But my main point is is you just got to take care of what you can do at home because with the way the Big Ten's been this year on the road, those road games are going to come at a minimum. And when you do get those road games, those are going to be huge resume boosters. So I think if you just take advantage of the home games, I mean, I know it's very slight chance that they'll win all of them. But I think think a road game, a win, I know it sounds kind of cliché, but I think two home losses in a road game on the big or a road win on the Big Ten, discounting Northwestern. So I think one road win is equivalent to two home losses, maybe even three home losses in the Big Ten this year. You know what I mean? Just in terms think of in, wrong, Sean. In terms of importance and just like with the net rankings too, because the committee weighs looks so closely at the road losses, the neutral floor wins. Um, and the quality wins, that that's something that they could really take stocking. I mean, I know you don't want to lose at home to a team like, I don't know, um, Nebraska coming up. I mean, Nebraska yeah. handed it to Iowa the other day. Granted, Iowa didn't play well, but that's still a game you have to win. But you can afford – if you win a game on the road, you can afford like a home loss against, I don't know, like – Michigan or they don't play like a home loss against Wisconsin. So yeah. A home loss the thing is Michigan.
0: though too, when, when you look at Iowa's 32 in the net rankings right now, and they're 11 and five. And it's the, the, what I wanted to get back to really quick before we move on to football and recruiting and everything is Iowa's 32 in the net rankings. They're 11 and five. And like you said, if Iowa just protects their home court, they're going to be feeling pretty good come selection Sunday because look at their road and neutral wins already on their, on their resume that's why they're so high on the net rankings despite being 11 and 5 they got the Syracuse they got Texas Tech they got Iowa State i mean they have legitimate teams they've beaten on the road or neutral courts already so i mean if Iowa gets to i think you need 10 wins i think you need to go 500 in the big 10 maybe not i mean maybe 9 wins even gets you in the NCAA tournament 9 wins plus an opening round win in in the big 10 tournament i think Iowa's going to be sitting pretty comfortably and with the way the team's playing and Luca Garza and if Iowa just k- doesn't shoot the ball as poorly as they did against Nebraska I mean in all reality Iowa can go out on a given day and probably beat anybody in the Big Ten uh, if they just get everything together but that consistent game by game basis can they rise up to the occasion uh, the team's mental makeup as I mentioned that's completely different is going to be tested night in night out and Luca Garza is going to just need to be able to keep doing what he's doing. And Joe Wieskamp needs to be able to drop 20 a night. Because I, I, I found a stat the other night, Sean, and I know you, you were out scouting for us uh, 24-7 sports. Check that out on Um But you, you were out scouting for us, and it, it was interesting because Joe Wieskamp and Luca Garza were the only Iowa players to score more than three points in the first 30 minutes of that game. Iowa had yeah. I think five other players had three or less points. Three or fewer points.
1: Yeah, that's that's in that's intriguing, I would say, but that's also like a kind of a cause for concern. I mean, I yeah, know those guys like other scores are gonna figure it out like Connor's been coming along with his three point shot, Joe's been sc- Tucson's been scoring a little more, Creeners had good games, especially against like Penn State. Um but you need more guys than that. I mean Let's see though, because have you really? Has there been a player this year that could stop Luca Garza? Just in terms of when he gets positioned, he is no. You're not you're not stopping him because no. once he gets inside on you, once he gets that inside that inside gap in the paint, like and just backs you down. You're not you're not getting around that.
0: No, and you're not. And I think what Luca's done this season, you know, it's amazing too, Sean. A story will be coming out tomorrow about this. I talked to Luca. Remember that stretch last season of five games where he probably averaged 14 to 15 minutes a game because he got in such bad foul trouble and fouled out in like three straight games? Yeah. He said that was the turning point of his career because that's what keeps him so even keel now. And through 16 games this year, Garza has 32 fouls. Jeez. And he's averaging about 35 minutes a game.
1: Yeah, and that's, that's amazing. That's ridiculous. I mean, I know they haven't like played – I mean you play like Mike Watkins and Lamar Stevens and then obviously Jalen Smith on Maryland too, John that's Teske, key. Minnesota you have Daniel oh, Oturo, cool. like once like that's impressive, but I wanna see him go against like the Weston brothers, like Kofi Coburn, the Wheeler guy on Purdue, um, Michigan State, Xavier Tillman. If he does that same thing against those guys, that's when you're like, Oh crap, like that's 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 amazing.
0: He's gonna probably go from nearly unstoppable to unstoppable because even Nebraska, I only want to say Nebraska slowed him down. Iowa just couldn't stretch out the defense. I mean, he still had sixteen points and eighteen rebounds against Nebraska, and he was getting quadruple teamed almost every play. It felt like. It was, yeah, it's absurd. He's he's insane, man. And especially if he comes back next season. I mean, he he could be a 2,000-point scorer, and that's ridiculous to think about, honestly. But it's not all the question the way he's playing.
1: I think, too, with Nunji, if Nunji gets back, you have a perimeter scorer down there that can spread the floor and open things up down low because he's not like the Tyler Cook type where Cook could only really do stuff like 10 feet inside, 10 Mm -hmm. feet from the basket in terms of scoring. Like, Nunji's a guy that it's probably preferred to stay 15 feet out and you have a guy like that, that opens things up and then guards it down low. That's a, that's a scary combo in the paint.
0: Yeah. Uh, so obviously we'll, you know, stay tuned to Hawkeye and com for uh, tomorrow's analysis. I mean, tomorrow's stories regarding Northwestern game, the game Northwestern will take place 7 PM uh, on Tuesday. And something I did want to mention really quick huge 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 special right now hawkeyeinsider.com uh get two months for one dollar new members only 2021 recruiting really starting up fast um i believe they're ranked ninth right now according 24 7 sports in the country that class is really coming together junior days in the midst of basketball season spring football a dollar for i i think the most complete and insightful iowa coverage Uh, That is available. I mean, Sean Sean and I work relentlessly on bringing you guys the best. So something to keep in mind. Go to HawkeyeInsider.com for the details on that. That's going to run through uh, Monday night. Expires at midnight. So take advantage of that now. Um, Quickly moving on, Sean. I mean, we, we kind of touched on this at the beginning, but the latest regarding Tristan Wirfs and AJ Epinesa. I know Hawkeye Nation is really holding their breath for what's going to happen. And, you know, despite some reports, I, I do think that there there's a legitimate decision being made behind closed doors. I mean, I don't think it's done one way or the other yet, but at the same time, it could come at either time. And, you know, I know you've been talking to people, Sean, I, I've been talking to some people, Right now, from, from what I'm hearing from a couple of different sources, is Tristan Wirfs is really extremely struggling with, with the decision right now. And I, I've even heard from one person that was a 60-40 right now that he comes back to Iowa for his senior season. And that would obviously be a, a huge, huge boost to the offensive line and, and just in general for the offense. Epinesa is probably more 50-50. Uh, I, did, I did get the chance to talk to a couple other scouts, uh regarding werfs because they were asking it when he was going to declare or if he was going to declare and i i could not really give him an answer but they they said there's really not much risk for werfs uh obviously the nfl is just holding its breath and kind of waiting on him but w- with that size and that athleticism even if he got hurt you know knock on wood uh there's not going to be much drop off just because he can do some of the things he does and just the way he's built and just how strong he is and I I think Worfs kind of believes that himself, and I think that's one factor maybe that's kind of delaying his decision.
1: Right, and Dave, we talked about the other day for a little bit that if Wirfs comes back, he's probably a top two or three draft pick, in my opinion. Um, You have Trevor Lawrence going first overall, most likely. Justin Fields going second or third, and I think Tristan Wirfs is right up there with him, and that's that's a big difference going top four top three in the draft compared to going like number 12 or number 11 God, which is. which is where Brilliant. he's projected right now like I think he'll I think he'll draft his draft stock will rise at the combine um, later but I do think that just based on where things are at right now like that's that's a big that's a big amount of money that he could make if he stays in next year granted like if he gets hurt he could probably be around this range still just because he's so gifted. And mm. just so many tools that he has um, that he can, if an injury, like he'll probably stay around where he's projected right now. But still, like if he if things go as planned and things go well, he we could be looking at top four, top three right now.
0: You know, Sean, I I just really want to watch him and Pene Sewell go to the combine together and just go head to head and everything because I think that would just be absolutely legendary. Because Pene Sewell, the Oregon offensive tackle, I mean, he's up there with worse in terms of just absolute freak of nature and probably generate, you know, arguably generational talent at offensive tackle. I think they're both going to be all, you know, potential Pro Bowl guys in the future. I I, I think Sewell's that good, and I think Worfs has his best football in front of him. But, yeah, like you mentioned, I think if Worfs comes back, I mean, that, that's such a security net, too, for Spencer Petrus. I mean, he's got to just feel so comfortable. You're, you get both offensive tackles back. You get Tyler Linderbaum back. So I, I think that'd just be necessary. I think, you know, I think a guy like Tyler Goodson would be very grateful if Tristan Worfs came back. <laughs> Uh, for another season. But on the other hand, you know, talking about AJ Epinesa quick, Epinesa, I think, is a first-rounder, but I think his stock has taken a – you know, it's kind of fallen this season. Uh, Still a first-rounder, probably a mid-first-rounder, as opposed to, like, a top-five, top-seven, you know, mock draft pick probably the beginning of the year. But it's one of those things, too, where, you know, again, I've heard this from a couple people that – Epinesa, if he came back, he really feels like he could put together a full season like he did in the last month. And yeah. just keep in mind, the first half of his season was not revolutionary. I mean, he was double, triple teamed, granted. But he he really feels like he could come out and just absolutely dominate like he did against USC and Nebraska. But he feels like he could do that against everybody next year.
1: Yeah, and I think, I think that's definitely reasonable. And I think having a guy like Chauncey Golston – on the other side of the field would be beneficial um, for that. But I don't know. That's that's an interesting case. I'm not too I'm not too positive about the Epinesa thing because I know it takes like two or three or not two or three. I know it takes a couple of games to get used to that double triple teams. And I think that's that'll definitely benefit him if he does opt to come back next year. But I think he's a guy too that like I said, with the injuries, like you don't you don't want to bring it up. But if he does get injured like that, could I think he could take a bigger hit than worse does. Oh, absolutely. Answers. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think there's a bigger risk with AJ Stain than Tristan.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, we're, we're, we'll kind of we'll keep you up to date on Hawkeye and but dot com. That's kind of the latest what we're hearing. It, it, it's going to go either way. I feel like, and if, if both guys come back, I'm not going to be blown away. I'll be a little bit surprised, but I'm not going to be, you know, Oh my God, this is amazing. No, I mean, I'm not getting, you know, but if they both go, I think that's what people expected at the beginning of the year. I think that's what Kirk, Kirk Ferentz and all those guys expected. So I want to say no harm, no foul, but you know, they, they kind of planned on it uh, to say the least. So. Uh, Before we kind of dive in some questions for wrap this up, we do need to mention that uh, backup quarterback Peyton Manziel opted to transfer last week as, as I believe Am Rittenberg ESPN reported. And we confirmed about under a minute later from our sources, uh, Peyton Manziel, obviously from Belton, Texas, was one of the few guys from Texas, I believe it was him and Matt Hankins that stuck around from that uh, 2017 recruiting class, despite the massive commitments from guys like Eno Benjamin, Bo Corrales, um Gavin Holmes, but he obviously with Iowa, but uh, a little bit of a surprise to see him transfer so early. I I would have thought he would have went through spring football, but he, I I think that kind of shows where the quarterback battle is, and I don't want to say it's not gonna be a battle, but I think I think the starters kind of. It's kind of confirmed, at least in my mind now, because I don't think Alex Padilla is going to be able to uh, surpass Petrus from what I'm hearing and induce Hogan 2020 quarterback commits not even going to be on campus till till June. And that's a tall task for anybody to come in and and do that. And keep in mind, too, Pate Manziel, he will be a Albion Christian, I believe, uh, Sean wrote, wrote a story about that and it's kind of been all over that. But keep in mind that Peyton Manzel is married. His wife's actually on Baylor's softball team, so he's actually gonna be able to be closer to family. Uh, so probably probably a win win, I think for for both you know for both parties.
1: Yeah, no, I agree, and I think the quarterback t- battle. I know I talked about this on the Champ the other day with Steen and Jeremy that Iowa fans are. I, all right, hear me out. Spencer Putrus is going to be really good for Iowa. Alex Pity, I think, is the guy that. People need to be talking about a little more in terms of, yes, he's not Iowa size. Yes, he didn't have or Iowa traditional quarterback size. Um, yes, he didn't have like the huge offers. I think his top offers were like a couple Ivy League schools and like Colorado State, where I believe his father played his college football. Um, but man, like he he understands the game really well, picks up things really fast. I know the Iowa coaches were impressed with that throughout spring and even in the fall and summer. Um, and I think he really put things together too, but I think just in total, um, a guy like Deuce, I think can come in and find a way to make an impact as well. I don't know if he'll be it right away, but I think it'll, I think it'll take him a little bit because I don't want to talk about like the total competition, like level of competition when it comes to the high school level. Cause I think Deuce's was a lot lower than maybe Padilla's. I think Padilla played, pretty high up there. Um yeah, pretty, in
0: Colorado definitely.
1: Yeah. Big class ball in Colorado. So I think that probably had part of it to do with the adjustment um and whatnot. But I think Padilla's a guy, I mean Petrus, I'm I'm all on I'm all in on him being the starting quarterback. But I think Padilla's a guy that you really gotta keep an eye out for too. I think he's one that if maybe Petrus struggles right away, like Padilla coming in, then that'll be that'll be something to look out for. But I do think Iowa fans the next couple of years are going to realize um, just how much they'll miss Nate Stanley because it's it's so rare nowadays to have a three-year starting quarterback in the Big Ten, especially with some of these guys starting way later. Like we saw Justin Fields like had to transfer somewhere else to play um, mm. and some of these other guys. And let's see, like Sean Clifford had to wait his turn. I mean, he'll be a three-year starter if he opts staying for another year. Um, I'm trying to think of some other quarterbacks in the big 10, like Brandon Peters is the starting quarterback was a starting quarterback at Illinois this year, but didn't get much run at Michigan. Um, and there's a few others that aren't coming to my head right now. Um, but it's, it's so rare and just his experience this year and just how he was able to manage a game and not turn the ball over that much. And like, just be a total game manager is something that Iowa fans are really going to really going to appreciate it now because I, I do think peterson the other guys will do a fine job but stanley that's three years is irreplaceable there's
0: no statistically doubt statistically one of the best quarterbacks in school history i mean get ready for the greatest roast of all time the roast of tom brady a netflix live event happening may 5th You, know, you can mark and bring consistencies all you want, but he made a lot of winning plays at Iowa, has some signature wins, but just couldn't get a Big Ten title. And that's probably his biggest downfall uh, and probably big road performances as well. Um, but, yeah, I, I do think that Petrus, will be starting quarterback. Uh, let's kind of do rapid fire right here for for some questions. Um What's the number of conference wins Iowa basketball needs to feel comfortable for their at-large chances, including Big Ten tournament? What, what do you think, Sean? I think I think in, this is including Big Ten tournament. I think 10, 10 or 11, and I think that they're not going to be sweating too much.
1: Yeah, no, I'm with you there. I mean, I would go as low as nine potentially too, depending on how the rest of the conference fares. I think. I think nine's the minimum at this point, but I think 10, 10, or 11, you're feeling good.
0: Yeah. I mean, not gonna be sweating and keep in mind that people declare the big 10 this year is undisputedly the best conference in America. I mean, okay. there's really not much debate from people. And I think that will help Iowa's case when it comes to selection Sunday, 10 and 11 that, you know, I, I think if they get, if they get nine and they get two in the big 10 tournament, they're not, they're going to be fine going in, especially two more neutral court wins in a tournament and they do have signature wins already i believe they're up to three quadrant one wins right now i mean it, it'll be interesting but i don't think they're gonna be sweating too much uh what positions will iowa look to add a juco kid or a graduate transfer uh it doesn't specify what sport so i i think this is a football question more so than basketball because basketball is pretty full I, I can think of one right off the top of my head sean and that that's defensive end, especially if AJ Epinesa goes, I, you know, I know they have Zach van Valkenburg who did an okay job coming in. I think that the the competition ramped up, they'll have Chauncey Golston, but I think if they could get an impact guy off the edge or another impact defensive lineman, that's been proven. I think they'd feel a lot better depth wise. I, I think that they, they will at least explore the option of potentially getting a guy there.
1: Right. And I think people need to realize this too. When, When it comes to, I mean, Iowa could have a guy like, I don't know, Alaric Jackson coming back at left tackle. Um, You might want to pick up a guy just for depth purposes too, like no matter what, because you never know what's going to happen. We saw it this year with with Alaric, how he went down. Um, You never know what's going to happen. Just having that extra, I mean, Ben Balkenberg, he was the one that won transfer, but – just having him for depth, too, purposes, and he, he found ways to produce. So did Joe Evans, and John Wagner had that sack. I believe it was against Illinois. Not certain on that, but, um, like, there's just depth. Depth is so important in college football today. So just picking up another guy, whether it be for production um, or depth purposes, I I think defensive line is the most valid option at this point.
0: I th- I think of one more Sean and people I think are screaming right now that we haven't said it yet. I think punter, I think yeah. I was going to add another graduate transfer punter. I think Michael Sleep Dalton did a fine job this year. Obviously had Ron Caluzzi a few years back, and you know Ryan Gersande is a scholarship punter, but he's coming off a major knee, you know, a knee injury and. I was going to need good punting next season, especially with the teams they are going against. They can't allow short field. They got to be able to spread the field and make teams earn their points. So I think that, I think that they're going to explore the, the punter market as well. Obviously kicker. They have Keith Duncan who, uh, you know, I don't want to go on a tangent here, but probably should have won the Lou Groza award. I don't really understand how he didn't. I don't think I don't think it should have been close, but that's another, you know, it's a old argument uh maybe an offensive lineman but maybe I mean probably not because they have a lot of young talent in there and I feel like they feel pretty good about that but you know we'll see what happens with Tristan Wirfs obviously wide receivers they're fine they get everybody back right now everybody's coming back for running backs corners I don't think Phil Parker would like to get a graduate transfer so probably just defensive line and, and punter are the two options at this point
1: there's that uh Hunter from Tennessee that people have been talking about a little bit, the Joe Doyle kid. Yeah, um, I think Iowa offered him. Yeah, I don't they offered him out of high school or offered him like recently.
0: Out of high school.
1: I believe they did. I had to double check in that, but I think he's the guy you want to look out for there.
0: Uh, let me get back to this really quick. Yeah, continuing on down down the list. Uh sorry, I just had it up any buzz on new recruits they are following for february signing day uh i know sean you, you can tackle this question probably better than i can but th- th- i know they probably have a small list but there's really not much traction or guys that they're really going out on a limb for i feel like things have really slowed down you know there will probably be that one name maybe like kevon merriweather who came out of absolute nowhere uh Two years ago on signing day itself, but I was really not tracking and not looking to add a ton of new pieces for for February.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't want to speculate who with like the transfer portal and stuff, but mm-hmm. I think maybe if a couple names come up in the next couple of weeks, I think maybe we could see another player or two. Cause I know, I know of talking to people in summer courts that. Some of the ones they've mentioned are scholarship players, but they just don't have room for them right now. Like I can think of an offensive lineman that I'm going to keep anonymous that I've been told they said is a scholarship player, but they just don't have space. So they want him to come in as a walk-on, but he's got plenty of other options elsewhere. So I think that's kind of where they're at right now with these things. I mean, we could see maybe an offer down the line, but I don't know. It'll be it'll be something of progress because Iowa picked up, I know they had Jamari Harris who they were tracking for a while but didn't offer to like a couple days maybe like a week before signing day yeah um yep. t j McCall is another guy they picked up late, and I think those were the only two during that February signing period if I'm not mistaken
0: off the top of my head, I believe those are the final two uh where's Iowa State football scholarship wise how many are they allowed they're allowed eighty five I believe they filled all of them right now. Does that affect the number of recruits they might add? Yeah, and, you know, I think the unfortunate part for coaches, I know people want to stick up for the recruits and the athletes, but at the same time, I think it's tough for coaches to really try to balance this because they have to wait to know who's going to go to the NFL, who's going to transfer out, because all those things really do affect. I mean, Peyton Manziel is the first of, I think, a few dominoes that are going to fall. Again, I don't want to sit here and speculate who's going to transfer. I don't think that's fair to the program. I don't think that's fair to the players, and I don't think it's fair to the fans. uh, to spread, you know, pure rumors but i won't mention names but maybe a running back goes maybe a defensive back goes maybe a linebacker goes like we saw jane mcdonald leave uh and that was a little bit of a surprise you know i think a slight surprise but i i do think that there's gonna be a few dominoes in the future that move and in iowa the thing is they can't really make major moves when all those scholarships are full and i think they just have to wait for players to say you know what my future probably isn't here. I can go get playing time somewhere else. Thank you for the opportunity, but i like to put my name in the transfer portal or, you know, go to the NFL and make millions of dollars. Uh, let's see. Early season, non-exempt tourney for next year. Uh, any rumors on what that might be? Uh, CJ cannot get a medical red shirt, correct? Nope, CJ cannot get a medical red shirt, Obviously, had the red shirt last year, but he is over the ten game limit, uh, which is why like Patrick McCaffrey is probably shut down for the season because they can keep his medical red shirt and apply for it since he only played in the first two games of the year. And this this guy wants to give a, I think wants us to give props to Connor McCaffrey because Connor McCaffrey's second in the nation in assist to turnover ratio and. Sean and I are probably sitting here like we've been the ones driving the Connor McCaffrey hype train probably all season.
1: Yeah, no, I've been I've been on McCaffrey hype train since his freshman year, believe it or not. Like, I don't want to give I don't want to give too much of a I mean, even before, like I know all that injuries that all the really unfortunate year that he had with his health took a tear. But I think sophomore year, there was a lot of potential with him. Um, that we saw in the, just the production that he could bring. Um, and I think he's been, like like we said with Frederick, too, I think he's up there for one of the most key players to this team, without a doubt, in terms of just what he brings, as far as just being that extra guy who can maybe make an extra pass or an extra ball handler, as we've seen in late pressure moments. I know people people give me crap for saying that McCaffrey doesn't do much on the floor, but if you look beyond his stat line and kind of, just watch him when he's not moving with the ball or like when he's not scoring, like his, his impact is vital to this team's success. There's no doubt.
0: He he commands them. I mean, he, he literally is Fran on the floor. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And the thing is too, Connor's making threes. Like when he shoots, you don't like, I think last year, a lot of people was like, okay, missed. But when he shoots, I mean, I think people got faith that he can knock it down Against Nebraska, he made three of Iowa's four threes. And the rest of the team went one for 29. Or one for 27, I believe it was. I think Connor was three of six or three of seven for the game. Uh, so, yeah, that he's just an important piece to the team. As far as an early season tournament, I, I'd probably give it another month before those really come into fruition. I know some of them get set super early. Uh, but I think a lot of the times that a lot of those don't even get set till the, the summer uh, and then they kind of come about late. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of see where that goes. I think I, I, I would anticipate Iowa going to get a pretty decent invite if they keep up the trend because and even if people from the outside look at what Iowa's going to bring back next season, you know, assuming everybody stays intact, you lose Bakari Evelyn, you lose Ryan Creener. You get garza back you get joey's camp back you get cj frederick back you get jordan bohannon back i mean Iowa probably have the scariest offense in the country i mean it, it's going to be up there because the, i think those guys alone any of them are capable of going off for 20 25 points in any given game that i think that's extremely dangerous um so that'll be something interesting and, and one the final question is in desperate need of quality men next year in hoops because the ineffectiveness and injuries. Any word on Iowa being in contention for grad transfers for that position or others? Sean, I'll let you kind of take the helm on this, but as far as the grad transfer-wise, we really don't see a lot of that till <laughs> yeah. April, May.
1: Yeah, I mean, the season's still going on. So as far as I know, no one's really – I mean, I'm sure there's guys that, like, are looking to transfer, like, considering it, but we're not even – We're barely even halfway through the season. Um, Not even halfway through this, or maybe about halfway through the season, which is kind of gives me a little bit of a – scares me a little bit. Um, Yeah, yeah, but glass half full. So, (laughs) yeah, I I don't think we learn about that until like April or May at this point.
0: That being I don't think the
1: coaching staff – I don't think the coaching staff is very worried about it either.
0: No, and I – you know, I think – I think, you know – Fans can get frustrated with Bakari Evelyn for maybe not taking as many shots as he should, passing up some shots. But he's been, I think he's played pretty good defense for Iowa this year. He's a hustle guy. He, you know, he is capable of making shots. I mean, we saw it against Cincinnati, but he just really hasn't been able to put the pieces together. But his teammates love him. He embraced the, he He's embracing the Iowa culture. I think Fran's gotten a really good experience uh, coaching him, and I do think that opens the door for graduate transfers in the future. And I think that's something to worth, you know keep in mind. Uh, But other than that, Sean, I think that about does it for the most part. Football-wise, it's going to really be heating up over the next couple weeks. Iowa's going to have some big visitor weekends coming up. They're going to have, you know, 2021, they're going to be finalizing 2020. Really get in the midst of basketball and just, you know, be be sure you stay tuned to hawkeyeinsider.com for the latest follow Sean on Twitter at SBoc247, me at David Eichholtz. And uh we're just going to keep doing our thing and you know we'll see what what Iowa does this season but I think right now they're looking in pretty good shape for an NCAA tournament appearance if the guys on the floor can remain healthy but again I think I think Fran McCaffrey's done an excellent coaching job this season with everything Iowa's just been dealt.
1: Right. Yep. I agree it should be should be a fun next couple of months no doubt. This is when it starts getting good
0: so obviously really quick one last plug uh two months hawkeye for a dollar new members only 24 7 sports read everything on the network great in-depth analysis recruiting analysis from sean uh player grades the works basically most in-depth and i think complete coverage on the market so take advantage of that that flash sale ends uh monday i believe that's going to end tomorrow night so we you know be sure to hop into hawkeyeinsider.com for that. But uh, yeah, other than that, we'll talk to you soon. and, And thanks for tuning in.